The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, satisfying the desire of every living thing. The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his doings. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. This is the word of the Lord. While I was in seminary, one of my favorite professors was Dr. Mickey Eford. He taught biblical studies, especially New Testament uh, courses, and I was very fortunate my, my, my first semester at Duke that one of the Old, Old Testament professors was on sabbatical. And so that meant that Mickey Eford could step in and teach intro to Old Testament. He was a folksy kind of teacher. He had a nice, smooth, southern accent that I always loved listening to. And he had these sayings that he would use over and over again. If, if several scholars differed about, about, different, about a text, he would uh, say to us, what do you do in that case? You pays your money and you takes your choice. I like that. Or when there was a particularly uh, controversial uh, passage or, or a book, you know, like Book of Revelation, something like that, uh, he would say this, a lot of ink has been spilled over this one. He was, he was really delightful. I liked him a lot. So I looked up my old notes from Dr. Eford. Uh, yes, I kept my seminary notes. I just had to see what Dr. Eford said about the Psalms. Well, we have to first talk about the Babylonian exile, which we've done in here many, many times. It ended in 538 BCE, before the current era. And the first order of business for the Hebrew people was the rebuilding of the temple. And why? Well, because that was the focus of the entire life uh, as a community. The foundation for the temple was laid in 538. But times were so difficult that the temple was really not built until 520, uh, up to 515. Encouraged by those great prophets, Zechariah and Haggai. Now the book of Psalms is really the supplement to, uh, for the worship that took place in that temple. Psalms is really the hymn book of the second temple. Remember, Solomon's temple was the first temple, and this is the second. So many of these psalms were sung in worship. And Dr. Eford says that the psalms are divided into five books, and the 145th uh, psalm that we're focusing on is the, in the fifth book. Scholars know that there are different books because each section or book ends in a doxology. So often we think uh, in reading the Psalms that, that all of them were written to David or that even David wrote them himself. That is, King David, the David and Goliath David, uh, uh, that is really not the case. Many of the Psalms were more in honor of David. He was the one who really got this movement started.
started. Now, Hans Joachim Krauss says that a number of the Psalms were written before the exile and several, of course, after. And our text today is one of the latest. Uh, it is a post-exilic creation psalm, we call it, that tells of God's love for us. Walter Brueggemann says that it's a statement of Israel's joyous and grateful confidence in the Creator. Yahweh governs the world, and that can be counted on. So, the book of Psalms, it's a hymn book, yes, as well as a collection of poems. Poems that are filled with intense emotions of a struggling Hebrew community and their praise of the Lord. Poetry gives expression to our inner feelings. A large part of the Old Testament is in poetry. And it's poetry that doesn't rhyme or have, have meter. Uh, again, they were chanted or sung, played with an instrument. Poetry cannot be understood uh, in the same way as prose. At times, you have got to take poetic license. And in Hebrew, this 145th Psalm is written in a special way. It's written acrostically, uh, which means that each line begins with a letter of the alphabet. In English, it would start with the letter A, the first line, then B and C, and so, so on. It's the psalmist's way of saying, from A to Z, God is great and true and dependable. J. Clinton McCann of Eden Seminary in, in St. Louis says the acrostic style really reinforces this basic message of the psalm, namely that God is sovereign and his love for creation is comprehensive. So when we get down to the 14th through the 18th verses, there's a shift. God shows God's love by upholding the threatened, lifting up the oppressed, and providing for all of the creatures. Indeed, listen carefully, God satisfies every need, so much so that happiness isn't so much a reward as it is your experience of just being connected to the source of life, to God. I'm going to repeat that. Happiness isn't so much a reward as it is your experience of just being connected to the source of life. On the other hand, feeling the pain of life often is the result of our own choices to cut ourselves off from the source of life. No, we are a people who are loved by a God who won't let us go. We're a people whose God grieves when we are lost, when we have strayed off the path. We are loved deeply by a God who wishes to satisfy the desires of every living thing. Now that's hard to comprehend, don't you think? I mean, when love is experienced so often by us as conditional, I'll do this for you if you do that for me. No, this psalm invites us 
to live in God's world where the overarching energy is the gracious, compassionate, and faithful love of God. In God's world, even the poor are happy. Even the humble are lifted up. Even the first are last, and the last first. It was this psalm that St. Augustine used when he wrote, Because you made us for yourself, our hearts find no peace until they rest in you. So, satisfaction. Are you feeling that? Are you satisfied with your life? Well, I came across a little survey recently. It's a survey that I need all of you to help me fill out. It's called this, God Wants to Know, a Customer Satisfaction Survey. God would like to thank you for your belief and patronage. In order to serve better your needs, God asks that you take a few moments to answer the following questions. Please keep in mind that your responses will be kept completely confidential. Now, I thought, instead of just me answering this, you know, that I'd get a real cross-section here today, you know, and really try for all of us to answer uh, this together. So I want you to help me fill this out so that God can get a better idea of just how satisfied we are. So, I want you to raise your hand according to the question, all right? So here we go. Question number one. How did you first find out about God? A, newspaper? Anybody out there? All right. There's a few up there. Okay, I got you. Um, television? Anybody out there? Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a big crowd over there. Okay, got We've got word of mouth. Word of mouth. Then there's, okay, good. Church? Church out there? Church, oh, several heard uh, in church. Very good. Street preacher? Let's see. Anyone? Anyone? How about near-death experience? Uh, oh, over, okay, right over there. I see. All right. Burning shrubbery. Any burning? There are a few. Yes, there were. Okay, I see. I see. Yes, they kind of come and go here. Second question, are you currently using any other sources of inspiration, security, or guidance in addition to God? Please raise your hand to all that apply. Okay, A, fortune cookies. Okay, there we go. Right back there. I see it. Yep. Okay. They're very popular. Horoscopes. Got some? Oh, I see. They don't want to answer back here. That's what it is. So they just don't want to say. Self-help books. Self-help. There are a few. I know. Yeah. Psychic Friends Network. Oh, 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 they're running out the door right there. Yeah, so that's kind of running out. All right. Biorhythms, uh, any of those? Uh, insurance policies, anyone out there using those? The lottery? Uh, nobody won last night. I'm just wondering, you know, advice columns. Okay. Oprah. No, okay, all right. all right. This is very helpful. I really, I think you're doing just great. All right, third question. God generally employs a limited amount of divine intervention to keep a balanced level of felt presence and blind faith. So would you prefer A, more divine intervention, B, less divine intervention, C, current level is just right, or D, would you prefer that God checks with you before any divine intervention? 
I, I see that's mostly what you'd like. All right, so I'm going to, okay, that's about 600 people. All right, okay, you're doing great. I've got a fourth question here. God attempts to maintain a fairly balanced level of disasters and miracles. So raise your hand if you think God's done a satisfactory job in each of the following. Let's start with the disasters. How has, has God done a, a good job with floods? Floods. Probably pretty well here in Oklahoma. Uh, famines, uh, wars. How about acne? Acne. <laughs> acne, anybody? Cellulite. Uh, got that? Okay. All right. Let's switch over to miracles then. I think I've got all I need to know there. Uh, same thing. Raise your hand. Uh, how has God done with curing disease? Okay. Okay. Good. All right. We like that. Heroic rescues. How about sports upsets? Miracle. You know, that Kansas win, you know, you could, I don't know. Getting a date? Uh, paying off the visa bill? How about losing 10 pounds? Uh, okay, well, that's the end of our customer satisfaction survey. We thank you very much. The results will be sent into the Divine Customer Service Department. You, oh God, satisfy the desires of every living thing. Say it with me. You, oh God, satisfy the desire. Of every living thing. Isn't it true that every living being doesn't have enough to eat? That all kinds of species are losing their habitat and sources of food every day? Isn't it true that we will always have the poor with us? What is a satisfying life to them? Shelter? Food? Safety, clothing, the desire of every living thing. I mean, I can tell you right now that I'm not satisfied with everything. Here's a letter that I got about a month ago. It came in the mail addressed to me personally. And the moment I saw it, I was mad. How did they find me? Who told them? Brenda Reed, did you tell them? I bet it was. I asked my parents at the first service. They said they didn't. You see, I turned 50 two weeks from today. That will be Mother's Day, you know. I was actually born on Mother's Day. And, and my birthday was supposed to be a big day. A day of celebration. But now, now I don't know. Because of this letter. AARP. Yeah. You got it. American Association of Retired Persons. I don't need this. I'm not satisfied with this. Why? Because on May 11th, AARP considers me old. It's one thing to be the big 5-0, hey, but it's totally another thing to be a half century. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm not opening this letter. I'm not joining. I don't care what deals I could get. I'm not going to allow somebody or some letter to define my sense of satisfaction in life. So where does this Middle Eastern songwriter get off saying, you, O oh God, satisfy the desire of every living thing? 
Could it be that maybe I'm missing something? Could it be we're missing something? Could it be that we're looking for satisfaction in all the wrong places? Could it be that what truly satisfies the heart and mind and soul is not so much what God does, but what God is? Could it be that we're so intent on having God fix us and fix our planet that we miss God's presence? And what is God's presence, finally? It's love. Love. Our hearts are restless until they rest in Thee. Or to say that another way, our hearts are restless until they rest in love. Could it be that if we allow our hearts to rest in that love, then that love would more naturally flow into the world and satisfy the desires of every living thing? Could it be that if we rested in that love and weren't so intent on getting what we think we deserve, then people would be fed, then greed would not be so preeminent, that compassion would be more natural to us. Have you ever felt utterly and completely satisfied? Maybe you felt that way after a delicious meal or looking up at the stars at night or, or listening to a wonderful song on the radio. It's a sensation that comes over you and lets you know that you have everything that you need. I mean, haven't you ever experienced that? I mean, you, you, you look at a sunrise coming up on the horizon and you think, oh my God, I, I want for nothing. I do have everything that I need. Where does that come from? Maybe these are the moments when we glimpse behind the veil. The veil of religion and morality. The veil of greed and need. The veil of possession and power and prestige. Maybe these moments grant us a peek into a world that spiritual gurus and children and artists of all persuasions and Jesus have all pointed to a world that they've said is there. It's right there. The kingdom of heaven is among you. It's within you. It's here. A couple of weeks ago, I watched a wonderful documentary called Beyond Belief. It's a story about two women, Susan Reddick and Patty Quigley, whose lives as soccer moms in Boston, Massachusetts, were forever changed on 9-11 when their husbands were killed. Both Susan and Patty were pregnant. Over the course of two years, they struggled to cope with the loss of their life partners and raise their children as single mothers. But rather than turning inward, grief compelled these extraordinary women to focus on the country where, where those terrorists were trained, Afghanistan. 
Susan and Patty dedicated themselves to empowering Afghan widows whose lives had been ravaged by decades of war, poverty, and oppression, factors that they consider to be the root causes of terrorism. Susan and Patty started raising money riding their bicycles mile after mile in support of these Afghan women. Soon, with many dollars in their hands, they made the courageous journey from their comfortable neighborhoods to the most desperate Afghan villages. And in those villages, they discovered a powerful bond with each other, an unlikely kinship that widows halfway around the world felt. And they felt a satisfaction that they hadn't felt in life since before their husbands had died. They hugged each other. They cried together. They bonded with each other. From A to Z, God is great and true and dependable. And we are a people loved by God who will not let us go. We're a people who, whose God grieves for us when we are lost, when we have strayed off the path. We are loved deeply by a God who wishes to satisfy the desires of every living thing. And God satisfies every need, so much so that happiness isn't so much a reward as it is just the experience of being connected to the source of life, to God. Love one another as God loves you, unconditionally, steadfastly, unwaveringly. Open your hearts to the love that is there, and with that love, offer it to all in your world. Could it be that our needs are satisfied and that all the needs of every living thing are satisfied when we open ourselves truly to love, to receive it and to give it? That's God's PVC pipe, really. That's who we are. Maybe it's not what God does that satisfies us, but what God is, which is what you and me are love, which is finally what it's all about.